Welcome to Australian Hiker, your online hiking resource. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 130 of the Australian Hiker podcast. And in this episode, we're going to talk about Christmas gifts for hikers for 2019. Yes, Sanders on his way. In this episode, we're going to discuss Christmas gift idea categories with something to suit all budgets. And one thing we would say here, and this is something that both Jill and I appreciate as keen hikers, is avoid the grand gestures without knowing what the hiker in your life really wants. And think of it from your perspective of getting an expensive gift that really isn't what you want. So ultimately, if you're not sure, stick to small presents or give gift vouchers. So we're going to start off with gift ideas for zero dollars or, or no, no dollar cost as such. And while spending money is easy, it's not always required. And, and we've talked about this in previous uh, year's episodes, uh, but it's still something that's worthwhile considering. And sometimes, you know, if you're not spending dollars, you might need to spend extra time, but I think the extra time is worth more and will be appreciated more. Some of the ideas we're looking at here is offering babysitting services to let mum and dad get hiking by themselves. Uh, Not something that older hikers tend to think about or younger hikers that don't have family commitments, but trying to get away uh, uh, for a bit of time by yourself when you've got young kids is a difficult thing. Yeah, if you're not not able or willing to carry them all the way (laughs) or part of the way, this is a great idea. And that certainly is an option. There's nothing wrong with taking young kids on hikes, but sometimes you just want some alone time. Um, another option is to offer a drop-up and pick-up service from the trailhead. Um, and while this wasn't a Christmas gift idea, we had a family member uh, do this for us on a trip this year. They they came and picked us up, uh, and it really was greatly appreciated. Another option is to offer to go for a hike with someone who doesn't have a hiking partner. A lot of people don't necessarily want to go solo hiking, um, and while you may not be into multi-day, long-distance hikes, offering to go, out, to go out on a short hike, even if you're not really into hiking, is not a bad thing to help help your hiker uh, friend or partner uh, get outdoors and enjoy what they're doing. And last but not least is allowing your significant other to disappear on a hike that they've always wanted to do. Uh, And I greatly appreciate Jill doing this for me on a regular basis, that I disappear for weeks on end sometimes uh, and uh, go and do these hikes that I've always wanted to go through and and tick off my bucket list. Yeah, and the benefit is that you disappear on weeks on ends at times. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Nobody to blame that when the house gets dirty then. (laughs) The house doesn't get dirty when you're not here. Okay. So now we're going to get into the category of starting to spend money. Uh, And probably the first and most obvious one um, is that of gift vouchers. Now, gift vouchers are always a safe bet and something that everyone appreciates. Uh, The only downside is the receiver knows how much you've spent. And ideally, you do need to try and find out where people usually do their shopping. If they go to a particular store and you know they always buy their gear from that store, it's worthwhile trying to get the vouchers from that location. 
Yeah, and I think sometimes you, you need to just get yourself over the idea of gift vouchers. It, it's always nice to have a tailored gift that's that's just perfect for the person that you have in mind. Sometimes uh, you just can't make that happen uh, for whatever reason. It might be because that perfect gift is too much. It might be that that perfect gift is just not available. So gift vouchers are a great option. But I think the other thing as well is if the person is looking at a fairly large item – yeah, you know, they're they're wanting to go through and spend a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, um, or you know, or or less. Uh, but and they need a bit of help doing it. The gift vouchers can help contribute to that uh, that purchase. Now we start uh, getting into the categories, and this is where um, we start looking at items that uh, that'll choose that will suit you as a gift giver um, uh, and allow you to spend within the budget you've got. Now, in this case here, books tend to fall a big category in the sort of under $30 category. Uh, and over the last 12 months, we've reviewed some great books and there's plenty of variety depending on people's tastes. And if you go to the podcast show notes, we'll have all this information in detail uh, there, including links to all the items we're talking about. Uh, so if you have a look at that, we've got a list to, of all the books we've reviewed uh, and things that are worthwhile considering for for gift presents for, for those people that like. Yeah, and I think books are, are great for anyone. Um, you don't have to be a big reader. Um, some of these books are a very easy read and some are just fantastic coffee table books as well. So, you know, everybody enjoys those. Yeah, and you might be able to have a, a chance enjoying reading them as well. Uh, Oh, I'm not sure you should do that before (laughs) you give a gift. No, no, after you've done it. Um, I I think there was um, a a moment when a relative of ours copied a CD (laughs) and then gave it to us. Mm. Yeah. Firstly, you're not supposed to do that, and secondly, it's a bit tacky, but... And I think the thing is there are so many books around. Everyone has different preferences and different tastes, uh, and there's typically something that will suit everybody. In the same sort of category, DVDs, uh, and again, as I said, we've reviewed quite a lot of movies over the last couple of years, um, some of them really well known, um, and we, we've done a, another batch again this year just recently. Uh, and these uh, these videos um, really do um, um, – they're, they're a general purpose one. In most cases, some of them uh, I enjoyed, even if I wasn't into hiking, they're quite interesting. So it's worthwhile considering those. And I know a lot of people do stream their, their movies these days, but for those of us that still buy DVDs, um, there's actually, they're actually quite a, a cheap present these days with a lot of them being sort of between the $10 and $20 mark and some of them either even under the $10 mark. If you want to get into the hiking equipment proper at this sort of category, there is so much choice available. Um, and we've got uh, the Australian Hiker Day Hiking Gear Basics, uh, which is basically priced under $4. And this is just a recommendation for us on things to look for um, and provide you all the basics that you need to consider when you're planning uh, and choosing gear, just as a, a ideal for a, a new hiker. For many hikers, um, not all, uh, most hikers these days tend to use a gas canister stove of some type. Uh, That's the bulk of the stove uh, uh, sales on the Australian market. Um, And you can generally never have too much gas. Um, (laughs) um, 
for the unless it's in, sorry, <laughs> yeah, unless it's not stove gas. Um, I was thinking unless it's in your tummy. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, I've got a number of canisters that I have downstairs in my garage um, uh, in varying states of how full they are, and I'll pick the the relevant one based on the length of the hike I'm doing. Um, And typically what I'll tend to do is try and buy them when they're on special. Uh, They don't tend to go off, uh, so always a good option. Uh, It does help if you know what size gas canisters the person prefers, uh, and buy that particular size. And usually if you are if you happen to be living with a hiker or, or you go hiking with that person, you'll have a good indication of what size canisters they use. Freeze-dive meals are another good option, and there are a number of good varieties and brands on the Australian markets. Everybody has their own personal preferences about what they like, and, and I know there are some people who don't like eating freeze-dried food, uh, but sometimes you decide you're going to go on an overnight hike on the spur of the moment. You don't have any food um, ready to go that you've made yourself, and it's just as easy to grab a pack of freeze-dried food uh, and uh, and go without having to think too much about it. Um, again, this is one of these ones where personal choice and personal taste is very specific. Everyone has their own tastes. Um, but um, have a look at some of the meal reviews we've done and that might give you an indication of, of what's certainly popular from our perspective and why. Yeah, and I think if you go a little bit mainstream and uh, a little bit sort of standard, not too spicy, um, most people will enjoy those freeze-dried meals. One thing that's um, made its way into my hiking gear this year is the Light My Fire Fire Steel 2 Army and this is basically a fire starter, and it's basically two two individual pieces. When you strike them together, generates a spark. Uh, and I use a gas canister stove, but it works uh, with any other type of fire as well. Um, and it means you don't have to rely on matches or a cigarette lighter. Um, they work really well. They last for thousands of strikes. Uh, and the one I've got uh, will last for a number of years in advance. So they're a long-term thing. Takes a little while to get used to it. I think it probably took me uh, a day or two to get used to getting the right action. Uh, but really, now I can I can generally create a spark and, and light a, a gas canister stove on its first uh, first strike. Um, it's compact. You don't have to worry about um, taking uh, um, matches or cigarette lighters on the plane. And I don't smoke, so I've got no reason to have either of those things. So this is a handy little item. Um, comes with an emergency whistle as part of it, so it's quite a handy little gadget. You can never have too many whistles. No, <laughs> you can't. And I think, I think with all between my pack, which has got a whistle on it, and this thing, I've got whistles all over the place. Um, the GSI Essential Spoon Long Handled, uh, and this is a great long handle spoon that weighs around about twenty seven grams. Um, it's got a rubberized end on it, um, and it is probably the most comfortable spoon to use on the market, um, and does a really good job of scraping out pans better than say a a metal spoon of some type will do because of that that rubberized head on it. Um, I'm a big fan of long handled spoons, and I own a number of them, uh, but certainly this is one of my favourite ones, uh, and one I tend to take on my hikes when uh, uh, if I've got the choice. Okay, so now we're going to jump up to gifts under $100. And it used to be that we'd go to $50 first and then to $100, but I'm not sure that you can buy much. 
there <laughs> between is, 30 and $50. But There is plenty on the market and certainly some of these things are pretty close to $50. So um, really it's just a, uh, we decided just to sort of merge these two categories. We sort of separated out last year. Um, the MSR carbon cord tent peg is probably one of the things that again has made its way into my camping gear, my hiking gear this year. Um, it is a ca- uh, carbon fibre tent peg or carbon fibre core on the tent peg um, and the, each peg only weighs about six grams. They really are meant as a tent peg for hard soils um, and I will always include at least a couple of these in my gear. Um, they, as I said, with the weight, uh, they are really, uh, really are excellent. Uh, not designed to be pounded with a hammer or a rock really heavily, uh, but certainly, as I said, hardish sort of soils. Uh, when you want a lightweight tent peg, they're quite a good little tent peg. Yeah, and they might look a little bit um, small and insignificant for a Christmas gift, um, but the true hiker will certainly appreciate them, I think. Getting back into the kitchen cutlery again, um, the Baladio Base Camp Ultimate Cutlery Set, which is something we reviewed only about uh, a month or so ago, uh, this is a high, very high-quality spork and knife set that is just beautiful to look at as well. It's robust, it's functional, and it's really a work of art. Um, I had an opportunity to try this one out, um, and it combines a foldable spork as well as a foldable knife. Um, and it, as I said, it's a work of art, and I think any hiker would appreciate getting one of these for Christmas. Now sort of shifting back into the iconic uh, pieces of gear, and this is something that I think we'll maintain on this Christmas lift probably forever, uh, is subscriptions to hiking magazines. If, you're, if you've been into hiking for a while, you probably already subscribe to these, um, but certainly the first is the Great Walks magazine, uh, which is $84 for a one-year subscription of seven issues. And you can actually get it as an electronic subscription if you want to go that route and not have the the paper. But for me, I'm in the age bracket where I still like having something. uh, I like sitting there with a a piece of paper and reading it. And I think this progressively will change over the years. But at the moment, magazines are are still, uh, uh, paper magazines are still the way I like to go. Great Walks Magazines is one of Australia's two main hiking magazines um, and they do a really good job and certainly I subscribe to this um, and well worth getting. The other one is Wild Magazine uh, and this is $60 for one year subscription of six issues. So not as many issues but also not as expensive. Um, And this is a magazine that has over the last 12 to 15 months has rebranded a bit uh, and changed the way they've done things. So if you haven't had a look at Wild Magazine over the last 12 months or so, it'll be worthwhile having a look at it and seeing seeing what you think. Different in the way they present things and do things to Great Walks magazine. Uh, and I, as I said, I do actually subscribe to both and I get different things out of each magazine. Uh, but you know, in a lot of cases, it gives people ide- these magazines give people ideas about what's available, what they can do, where they can go to. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, it's it's part of the experience um, of hiking and uh, these magazines certainly contribute to that experience of hiking. So now we go up in price. We're looking at the $100 to $300 category. 
Um, and really, once you start getting here, I would really suggest that if you're going to buy these things as a spur of the moment gift, you have a really good idea that that's what hikers uh, really want. Um, and you don't just buy this and think, oh, that looks really good. I'll buy that for them. So uh, it may be that you see a pack on special and think, oh, that looks really good. Um, but hikers will typically have particular wants and likes and have identified something they want in this sort of bracket. Whereas in the cheaper cheaper end of the range, most people won't be too upset if you don't get it 100% right. Um, the Jetboil Zip Cooking System. Um, last year when we talked about Christmas gift ideas, we talked about the Minimo, which is really a two-person stove. It's a, it's a bigger, uh, uh, more featured uh, canister stove uh, kit. Um, the Zip is the basic uh, end of the range. It's under $200. Um, but we've... Certainly from my perspective, when I hike by myself now and I'm using a canister stove, this is the one I'll pick out of the six or I think now seven stoves that I now own. <laughs> um, and even on our, our recent uh, human hovel track, this is the one we took. Um, sometimes it means we might have to do a second boil, um, but um, it means you've got a smaller, more compact unit. Uh, and the gas usage, um, we, we use such so little gas on our hikes uh, that we still get away uh, between uh, resupply on these with, without too much problem. Uh, now we actually jump up to the um, the next category, which is the 300 to 1,000 uh, uh, price list. Uh, and we're starting to get reasonably serious here. And, again, as I said, if you're going to be buying things for people in this category, only do so when you know for sure that this is what they want. Unless the gift is for you, of course, which means that you will know what, you want exactly and how much you want to spend. Okay. And while we're talking about if the gifts are you, um, the first one we'll talk about is the Garmin InReach Explorer, which is really a gift for the person you're giving it to and for you if you happen to be their partner. Uh, this is a two-way satellite communication device. It's also an SOS emergency device. Um, so it's an option to a personal locator beacon and it does form the same function. They're reliable. They do the job. Certainly on my Bibbleman track hike <laughs> from 2018, uh, Jill was able to follow me and see where I was and actually communicate with me, uh, all within, uh, with one exception, when I was in a heavy rainstorm in a deep, dense forest in the bottom of a valley. Uh, but otherwise, uh, uh, she knew exactly where I was for the, the total of five weeks. Uh, I still knew you where, where you were, you just weren't moving. <laughs> And I think the thing with these things is, uh, if you know, if you are uh, sending your your spouse or someone off or relative off for a period of, of multiple weeks, uh, and they've they've told you that look, if I if you don't hear from me after a period of time, call the emergency services. Uh, this is a way where you can actually keep track and see what they're doing. It uh, it does have a subscription service, so there are additional fees over and above the purchase fee. Um, but it's something that I use, uh, that Jill and I use. Uh, I do a lot of hiking by myself in very remote areas, and this is a way of Jill keeping an eye on what, where I am and if knowing exactly what's going on if, if I need to get in contact. Uh, the Big Agnes Copper Spur UL2 uh, tent, the platinum version, and this has been my tent of choice for 2019. Um it is an exceptional two-person tent, uh, lots of features. It's lightweight. 
Um, one of the things we found, which we hadn't actually thought of when we first started using this, was when you're hiking in the snowy mountains, uh, it almost becomes invisible, looking like all the other grey rocks in the alpine region. Um, and uh, when we did the Aussie 10 uh, hike earlier this year, um, we walked partway across one valley and Jill couldn't see the tent. Uh, no. It had just blended in with all the other grey rocks on the hillside. Uh, it was only because I knew exactly where I'd put the tent uh, that I could find it, but otherwise it was very hard to, to find. And as a, a super lightweight three-season tent, it did exceptionally well in the snow <laughs> when we were doing human hovel. So, you know, there's a bit of versatility there too. And I think one of the things with the colour on it as well is quite often a lot of tent manufacturers, including Big Agnes, uh, will make a lot of their tents to be really bright in colour so it does stand out, uh, so it's easy to find. But sometimes you don't want to be seen. Uh, and I must admit, on the, the day we were using this in the Alpine area, um, there were a couple of other tents in the valley and the bright red and the bright green tent stood out really well. You couldn't see ours at all. So it, it's nice to be hidden sometimes. Going into the sleep category, um, a good quality sleeping mat is something that's worthwhile looking at. And one of the best known sleeping mats in Australia is the Thermarest Neo Air X-Lite. This is a very lightweight mat that's around about the $350 to $400 mark. Um, but I would strongly suggest, again, that you really know that the hiker that you're giving this to uh, has identified this as something they want. Um, the criticism of this product is it tends to be very noisy. I've been using this now or using mine now for around about um, uh, three years. Uh, I don't notice the noise, but Jill tells me that she and everybody else do. Um, but certainly for me as a side sleeper, this is a really good quality mat. Yeah, so when um, when we're in a hut or something like that, I actually sleep facing away from Tim so I can protect him from the other people who are going to complain about his snoring and or his mat. <laughs> so, yeah, it's one of the things that, you know, if this, is, this mat in particular – the issue with the ultralight sleeping mats is they have the criticism that they uh, they tend to be noisy, uh, and there are slightly heavier options uh, that don't have as much of a noise issue. May not pack down quite as small, uh, might be may not be quite as light, but you lose that noise problem. So uh, uh, one option here is the uh, Cedar Summit Etherlite mat, um, which is uh, again. In the same sort of category, in the same sort of price range, uh, very happy to get that mat as a Christmas present as well. But as I said, if you're going to buy a sleeping mat for someone for Christmas, ask them first. Don't just give it to them. And the last item in this category is a wilderness navigation course. Now, a few years ago, I did a navigation course with the Australian School of Mountaineering in the Blue Mountains to brush up on skills, because really what it comes down to, if you don't use it, you lose it. Uh, and it's always good to have uh, as much as you know about navigation uh, is to go through and do a brush up uh, just to sort of remind you of what you may have forgotten. And navigation tends to be one of those skills that's becoming less and less of a, a, a learned skill. Uh, and particularly now as um, uh, as we be it's becoming harder progressively to come across paper maps uh, and there's more of a reliance on electronic maps um, this is a skill that will progressively become less of a, a well-known skill. So for me, this was a two-day course. Um, it uh, was with an organisation that I'd done rock climbing with before, so that was why I went back to them. 
And even though I live in Canberra, I was quite happy to travel up to uh, the Blue Mountains to do this training. Uh, And in all honesty, there was nothing that was easily locatable here in Canberra that was being run at the time. Um, So it's the sort of thing that, uh, again, you definitely in this sort of category want to check that make sure that people are are happy with getting these sort of presents. But it's everyone should know how to navigate properly. Uh, and it's it's worthwhile, uh, as I said, if you haven't uh, brushed up on your skills recently, doing this every you know every four, every ten years, whatever the case may be, uh, just to sort of remind yourself. Now we go to the extreme gift giving here, and <laughs> um, you know this might be that somebody um, uh, is totally rekitting, and this was certainly Jill and I a number of years ago. We were operating using a lot of older gear and we decided it was time for an upgrade. Um, and that can certainly add up if you do it all in one go or even over a 12 to 18 month period, it can still add up. Um, it may be that you're not doing anything gear wise, it may be a trip of some sort. Yeah. And if you're trying to do both, um, then a contribution to one or the other is going to be really helpful. Okay. So. We're looking at, in this case here, you you can come across some pieces of equipment that will fall into this category. Most hiking equipment will fall in under the $1,000 mark. Uh, So we're looking, as we said, uh, with trips. So the first trip we're going to talk about is the the Great Walks of Australia Classic Larapinta Track in Comfort. Uh, and this is a six-day, roughly 72-kilometre uh, taster of the Larapinta Trail in the Northern Territory. Um, it's not a cheap trip. Uh, none of these trips tend to be. In this case here, this trip costs just on $3,000, but it is glamping. Uh, you've got someone cooking for you. You're staying in uh, a fairly flash shot of tents with decent beds at night time. Um, and it's it's the sort of thing that if you don't not into doing the full-on hard slog all the time, this is a good option for you. Yeah, yeah. So if, you know, you, you're wanting to enjoy the trail without uh, carrying the full pack, um, carrying instead just a day pack, and um, it's still hard work. You've still got to do the, the walking, um, but it just makes it a little bit easier and a little bit more comfortable. The next one is the Outbound Summit to Sea. Uh, this is $5,400 approximately, uh, and this is a 26-day, three-state trip, um, and they will take you from um, uh, basically Australia's highest mountain to the south coast in Victoria in just under the four weeks, uh, and they're actually teaching you a lot of skills along the way. So while this is a holiday, it's a holiday where you learn, now, not cheap, but given that this is just on a month, this is very good value. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, the experience is just awesome and, um, you know, what what you'll um, learn along the way will stay with you for forever. And last but not least is the World Expeditions Bhutan High Trails via Leia. Uh, and Jill and I actually did this trip in 2012. Uh, and this is just on a $7,000 per person trip. Um, it's in total, it's around about 15 days of hiking and around about 17 days all up. Um, uh, if we'll have the links in the show note to the review of the trip we did, well worthwhile. And, and Bhutan is one of those, uh, countries that they try and encourage you to do a guided trip. 
to create employment for guides within the country. So while you potentially can do this trip by yourself, it's likely to cost you the same, if not more, uh, if you choose not to do a guide. So this is why the guided trips in Bhutan make a lot of sense. Uh, whereas in some other countries they think, look, I'll go and do this by myself. Yeah, and I think the in this case the guided trips have they just add so much value and um, so much to the experience um, of the hike, and we just were blown away by what we found in Bhutan. And I must admit, you know, we we had a bit of a cultural experience as well. Uh, the guide we had on our trip. Uh, took us into some local uh, houses for lunch, uh, took us in there for afternoon tea, uh, told us a lot about what was happening. So this is something that you wouldn't necessarily know by just wandering around the countryside yourself. So as we said, no real affiliations with any of these companies at all, uh, but they've got good reputations, all of them, uh, with running very good trips. So uh, these are just three examples, and there is so much choice in this sort of category. Um, it's really worthwhile thinking about what the uh, what you or what the person you're giving this to um, likes uh, and what they might be interested in. Okay, so just as a final thought, um, as we mentioned at the start of this podcast, whatever you end up buying for your hiking enthusiast, just remember that it's not necessarily about how much you spend, um, but more about the thought you put into it. Um, having said that, though, both Jill and I have now got to the stage where we're old enough that we really don't need anything. It's more about, about, about what we would like. Um, so we tend to not surprise each other with presents anymore. Because uh, <laughs> we can't surprise each other. We always guess. <laughs> yeah, so it's better off that we say, look, this is what I want to do, and and, and, and that way we, we we both get what we are after. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's the sort of thing that, it you know, it, it's – we do, we do small gifts and small surprises rather than the grand gesture. So hopefully this will provide you with some ideas for the hiking person in your life, even if it happens to be you. And I think the main thing is put a bit of thought into it and tailor it to the individual, um, particularly if that's you, um, but also if that's for um, a friend, a partner, a loved one. Okay, in next week's episode, which is episode 131, it's the Australian Hiker third birthday year in review. So we turn three years old on the 11th of November, uh, and this next podcast will uh, be a, a, a look back at how the last 12 months has gone for us. Um, we'll be talking about uh, where we've come from last year and, and where we've ended up, uh, how the year has gone compared to what we thought it would be. Um, and also at the request of a few people, uh, they've asked about how we go about putting a podcast to air. Uh, and we'll talk at least in the basics about uh, some of the things we do uh, in, in putting our podcast together and how we organise our interviews. So uh, we hope you find that interesting. Okay, so that's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me.